Thanks for joining us today for Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. At the core of our ministry is the conviction that Christ is our sufficiency in all things. Our prayer is that the message today might bring your thoughts near to Christ's abundant grace. To contact us, please call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. And now, here for a brief introduction is our speaker, Joel Van Hoogen. How big a word would you use to describe God's heart for us? What word might you find from God's own mouth that says more than any other as to his passion for what is best for us? I have an idea. It may surprise you. Deuteronomy 5.29 reads, God is speaking here. Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. To understand a passage, it's good for us to go and just kind of establish the context. So let me just say, just before even an introduction, let me take a moment to give you the context in which God is speaking these words. A second generation of Jews has come to the edge of the promised land. Forty years prior to this, the first generation of Jews that had been led out of captivity in Egypt had come to a similar situation. Not the exact location, but a similar situation where God brought them to the edge of the promised land and God enjoined them or called upon them, commanded them actually to go in and inhabit that land. And they balked. They wouldn't go in. They refused to go in for reasons of fear and for the threat of those that occupied the land ahead of them that they would have had to root out. They turned back and they went back into the wilderness and God's judgment on them was that they were to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So now God has brought a new generation and God is giving them another opportunity to claim his promise, enter into the land of promise, to be ready to go in by faith, inhabit it and conquer it. It will take faith, it will take obedience on their part, it will take a sacrifice on their part, but... With it will come a great blessing upon them, and from it will be a place that they can occupy where God will from them bless all of the earth. As God sent them in the first time, just prior to that, God had given them the laws that they were to follow and that were to regulate their lives in order to successfully occupy that land. God once again repeats the law to them and gives them the law over again. In fact, the word Deuteronomy means the second law. And so it's the repeating of the law that God gave to the first generation, and now God is repeating that law for the second generation so that they may go in and take hold of the land that the first generation refused to go in and take hold of. God actually at this time, during this time, repeats to them through Moses their history to tell them and give them a picture of all that God did and all the advantages God was giving them before they were to go into the land. God recounts their history to them, starting from their deliverance in Egypt and then the faithlessness of that first generation and yet how God tended them and provided for them and watched over them even during their wandering in the wilderness and how God now was bringing them together to bring them in victoriously into the land. God recounts to them all the failures that their fathers had endured because they didn't believe in God. God exhorts them with a recitation, a reminder of the great privileges 
that they had above all the peoples of the earth because he was himself their God. God exhorts them and reminds them of the various ways in which he has expressed his power before them so that they know who it is, who is this God that is going with them and before them into this uncertain place that they're to take hold of. God gives them positive incentives for success. And he also gives them negative warnings that would keep them from success. God encourages them just prior to this moment by actually leading them into confrontations with powerful kings and with individuals who we're told were the sons of the great giants. In other words, individuals who are massive men of war. And God leads them miraculously through a victory just prior to this moment so that they know that God can give them a victory when they go into the promised land. So God even gives them some winning experiences before he calls them to go into the land. And then finally, God repeats the law to them and he gives them the information or the commands that they will need to conduct themselves faithfully so that they might successfully go into the land. After God does all of that, God says what we find here in verse 29. God expresses his deep desire to bless the people of Israel personally, to bless their posterity, that is their children, and to bless them always, perpetually. And by the way, God has the exact same desire, the great desire in his heart for you. He wants to bless you personally. He wants you individually, your person, your life, wherever you are. He wants you to be blessed, enriched by him. God actually wants to, through you, bless your posterity, all those that you will influence and the children that come from you. And God wants to bless you not just momentarily. God wants to bless you perpetually. God wants his goodness and his blessings to go with you unendingly from this time forward throughout all of unending time and into eternity. Why? Why does God have this desire for you? Well, the answer to that is found in the O of God found in verse 29 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. You know, if you're going to learn to be a good listener and you're going to learn to listen to people, one of the things you're going to want to develop is not just the ability to extract information from them, not just the ability to extract details from them, but if you're going to be a sympathetic listener, you need to actually listen in a certain way, in the way in which when you come away, you seem to you understand the person better. Not just the ideas. In fact, in fact, you won't really understand the ideas they share with you if you don't understand them and how they understand things. And the best way in order to listen to a person or in order to understand them is to actually make it a priority to listen for feeling words that they say. Listen to the words that identify some emotional content or what their attitudes and their disposition is. The same is true when you listen to God. If you're to listen to God and you simply come away with just the X's and O's of information, but you don't understand what motivates it. If you just listen to the words, but for example, you don't listen to the tone and you don't understand the tone of his words. You won't understand what he's saying to you. You won't understand what he means. There's a sense in which you have to listen for the inflection in his voice as he speaks. There's a sense in which you have to listen to the feeling words that God uses as well because they express his heart. And it's out of his heart. The Bible says it's out of the heart that a person speaks. And it's also out of God's heart 
that he speaks to us. It's out of what's rooted deep inside him that he gives us his instruction. And so, if you were going to go and try to identify a word that gives us a picture, an idea of the heart of God and his attitude or disposition as he comes to us, you have to look for those feeling words. And here in this passage is one of the smallest words that you'll find as you read your Bible, and yet one that is full of feeling. It's the word O. Verse 29, it says, oh, and this is a word that's filled with divine pathos. It's a word that's filled with God's passion. It's a word that is expressive of something emotive, some emotion in God. God is sighing out a desire here. Some translations will have this, that God says, not oh, but God says, would, would that they would have a heart in them to fear me and keep my commandments always. It's a wish, but it's the same idea. It's an expression of God's desire, God's heart, God's emotion, God's passion. And the sympathetic ear will listen to the O of God and will pause for a moment before they even try to gather in all the other information and they'll find out what's rooted in all God says. So you can go back and remember what we just said. God led the second generation to the border of the promised land. And he wants them to go in. And He reminds them of the history they've gone through. And He brings before them a review of all the failures of those who wouldn't trust in Him and believe in Him. And He gives them all kinds of positive reinforcement of what they need to know about Him in order to go into the land. And He gives them all the commands that He wants them to follow so they can be successful in the land. All of that. Why? Well, it's all explained in the O of God. All that instruction is explained in the O of God. Do you ever do that with your kids? You give your kids all kinds of information, instruction of something you want them to do, some responsibility you want them to keep. Maybe you're going to be leaving the house for a week and you want to make sure that teenager doesn't burn the house down while they're gone and burn themselves down with it while they're inside of it. So you give them all kinds of instruction and you drive away and you think, oh, I hope they listened and the O, the O really reveals what was in your heart when you were giving all that instruction to them. The same with God. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to attempt with a sympathetic ear to consider what is found and what is revealed to us in the O of God here. Or if you want to take other translations in the would that they of God here. And the first thing is that this is an expression of God's divine solicitude. A solicitous nature is a nature that is longing or desiring blessing upon another, desiring good for another. It is an attitude that wants and wishes and longs for the best for another. This attribute is parental in nature, I think. It is an attribute in which God intensely expresses his care and his concern for our behalf. It's an expression of the eagerness or longing of God to see us succeed in life and be blessed. It's not a desire that's developed out of mere self-interest. This is not the longing or rooting on that you might see that's equivalent to a better at the racetrack who's uh, calling his nag into the line, right? He's also being solicitous. Come on, keep going, ragmuffin, keep going, ragmuffin, go, ragmuffin, go. Now, that's just, he's solicitous. But just because he wants to line his bet, his pocket with whatever bet he laid down, and that's not what's being pictured here. This is not a 
desire equal to an inventor who's crossing his fingers and wishing that his invention will pull through as he's running his test and not blow apart. This is the hard expression that is equal to a parent's whispered prayer on a child's behalf. It's kind of the picture of a mother who takes their child on their first day of school, maybe takes them down to the bus stop and loads them on the bus and sees them drive away off to school. And for the first time since the child has been in their home, they're not going to see them for the next six to eight hours. The mother then returns to her home and she makes her way back to her bedroom and kneels beside her bed and she prays over them. She prays over their career as little learners who have to learn how to navigate a dangerous world and be wise to the things of the world, and yet wiser in the midst of it to the ways of God. She'll follow them from that point on as they grow, as they're taught, and as they're instructed, as she herself reminds them and disciplines them and directs them and guides them and also tries to correct the influences that come upon them and they're not helpful for them. She'll often go away to that room again to pray for them. She'll even wake up in the midst of the night with a heart heavy for her child as she sighs and she prays for them again and again and again. And it's that spirit of solicitude that's found in the heart of a mother. Fathers know the longing desire for the well-being of their children as well. And you should know that you can't love and long for your children more than God himself. And this is just how he feels about you, too. Thanks for joining the ministry of the Bread of Life today. To learn more about us, go to breadoflifeboise.org. I'm blessed to share with you the good things found in God's Word. Thanks for the opportunity. Let's do it some more. But until then, God bless you.